So two weeks ago, we came kind of, kind of, you know, guns loaded a little bit, you know, fists up a little bit with a message called Jesus Confronts. All right. He confronted his, 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 um, uh, well, his, the people who invited him, not his guests. He was a guest and he confronted the people who invited him. And then he confronted everybody in the room and all of us together with a story about the great banquet. And I would love to tell you, all right, that today I have a happy, flowery Mother's Day message for you. That I have lots of sweet, rosy things to say to you. And that after two weeks of stepping on everyone's toes, that we are going to move forward into the smiley Jesus portion of our show. That ain't true. It just ain't true. This may be the most in our face... Jesus confronts, he's feeling a little full of himself, and guess what? He's allowed, all right? And he finally says, all y'all right up in here, let me get, let me get y'all. And then he says, all y'all listening, let me get y'all. And then he steps, steps back and he goes, and all of you. So what he's saying is, to those of you who have jumped into the parade. To those of you who see me walking and the, the disciples walking and the pharisaical leaders walking and the crowd that's followed me to several cities walking and all of you hundreds of thousands maybe of people who gathered by the seashore, who gathered in the fields, who gathered at the Sermon on the Mount. I got a word for all y'all. All right, that, 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 now we're set. Jesus has said, I got something to say to you, got something to say to you, got something to say to you, got something to say to you. Now I got something to say to all y'all. Okay? Not me, Jesus. And you would hope it would be like, I love thee. I bless thee. I want to heal all of thee. <clears throat> However, Jesus speaketh and he saith, Large crowds were traveling along and turning to them. He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What a sweet introduction that was. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete said tower before for if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and just didn't have it in them to finish or suppose a king is about to go to war isn't he going to sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to take on the guy who has 20,000 isn't he going to calculate a little bit to see if it's not a fool's errand if he is not able, he's going to send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and going to ask for some terms of peace. In the same, oh, in the same way, 
those of you who, those of you who do not give up everything that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. It's kind of an odd transition. War, towers, salty. Jesus is a little bit salty, don't you think? Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil or for the manure pile. And it is thrown out. Listen, it is thrown out. The unsalty, the unfit, tossed out. And then Jesus says these words, which we have heard before, but you need to understand. When Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, here's what he means. I warned you. That's what that means. Are you listening? Because there's going to come a time when you're going to go, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, well, I didn't know you. Some visitors up in our church today going, well, this is just a happy place. I am uncertain if I like their Jesus. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Are we a church that takes the part of the scriptures that we like and throws out the part that we don't like? Are we a church who is going to create the Jesus we want to make or allow the Jesus who is to make us? Are we the type of church who is going to stand by one of our core values and that core value is the word and march right on through the word knowing that Christmas may come, Mother's Day may come, Fourth of July may come, Easter may come, but we're sticking to the word in our Bible studies, the word in our worship, the word as it is, not as we want it to be. So I do not apologize. I can be sorry if your feelings are hurt, I do not apologize for preaching the scripture. So let me preach it to you now. This is the quintessential passage on counting the cost. But Craig, the Bible says that this, by grace we are saved through faith, the free gift of God. Yes, it absolutely says that. And then Jesus says, if you're jumping on the train and taking the gift, you better count the cost. You better calculate. You better understand what is going to be required of you. Well, nothing is required of me because it is free. Let's just assume that the goal, the place that you wanted to reach was the top of the mountain. You're trying to get to the top of the mountain. You want the sights and the sounds and the experience of climbing to the top of the mountain of all mountains. Mount Everest. And in order to get there, 
It is going to require of you $70,000 for the guides, for the insurance, for the backpacks, for the clothing, for all the things that is necessary. And you realize that you cannot pay that. But a, a, a rich man says, I'll pay it for you. The trip now becomes free, right? It is financially free to you. However, the minute that you decide to go on that trip, you have committed to months of training, months of preparation. And the minute you start to climb that mountain, you are offering literally your life because many people do not come back from that journey. So is it actually free? That is the best example I know how to give you. It is both. God hands you salvation free of charge. But because of the outpouring of his love, he asks of you obedience and discipleship to run the race with the gift that you have. This is what he means, and we went over this last week. By my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It doesn't mean that the cost isn't great. It means the greatest walks beside you while you go. That's what it means. Well, how extensive is the cost? Hate your father. Hate your mother. Well, no, that's not what it means because Jesus is love. Jesus doesn't hate. Who is speaking? Who's speaking right here? Jesus. And Jesus says what? Hate your mom. Hate your dad. It's like that, that's like that YouTube video. Hate your kids, hate your wife. Instead of hide your kids, hide your wife. Yeah. Hate your grandma, hate your grandpa. What, what, wait, 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 wait. We are loving people. Yes. And absolutely at the same token, no. What is he saying here? He's saying when it comes to me and everything else that is of value to you, if I'm not first, none of the rest of it matters. It is already lost. It is literally a hate-filled situation trying to live life with the gifts that God has given you without God. Can anybody in here say parenting is easy? Can anybody in here say marriage is easy? Can anybody in here say church people are easy? Y'all are a handful. Can I get a witness from every staff member and elder in the crowd? This is about priorities. Yet it begs the question, aren't I supposed to honor my father and thy mother? Absolutely. In fact, we have teenagers who come to me more, more than anybody else in the church to deal with this all the time. What do I do when I feel like God is saying yes and the parent is saying no? Well, the first thing you do is figure out if it's God. Let's not do something that you think. Well, it's hard to know if it's God, if it's God's voice. Yes, you know what my next question is? How, many, how, how, how often are you spending in the Word? 
As I'm reading this today, I, I read this stat. Do you know that less than one out of ten, less than one out of ten professing uh, Christians in America read their Bible more than once a week? And people ask me, how do I know God's voice? How do you know Justin Bieber's voice? How do you know Adam Levine's voice? How do you know Tina Turner? How do all of us know? I'm your private dancer. Come on, how do you know? You, you hear it over and over again. And then when a song comes on that is not private dancer, but is Tina Turner, you know exactly who's singing it, right? The more you hear, the more you know. How often are you spending listening to God? Because the more you listen, the more you know. The more you read, the more you know. When you know, listen to me, I don't care if it's your pastor, your mother, your father, the Pope, or Billy Graham. You listen to God forsaking all others. And if you're not ready, hey, 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 hey. If you're not ready, don't get on the train. That's not very nice. What do you want me to say? Jesus loves you. And you can get with Jesus and do whatever you want to do. It's Jesus Claus. And we're a happy church with all the Jesus presence and none of the Jesus rebuke, except that they will say to me, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I never knew you. He will walk by the tree and see that it produces no proof and say, cut it down. There will be sheep and there will be goats. There will be wheat and there will be tares. There will be a criminal on a cross that makes it. Today you will be with me in paradise and a criminal who will split the gates of hell wide open. Craig, this is scary. You bet your bottom dollar it's scary. That's why you make the call and count the cost before. Craig, please go on. It's got to get easier. Whoever does not carry the ultimate instrument of torture and death every day cannot be my disciple. Sounds fun. Let's get killed 101. This is great. If anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You don't want to look the fool. You don't start to build a house and then end up with a half-finished house that you can't live in, that you can't sleep in, that you can't cook in, that people make fun of you for standing in because it's not really a house. It's just a... I don't even know what you call an unfinished house. It's not a halfway house. That's something completely different. <laughs> you don't want to go to war, you know, you look around at all your soldiers and they look like this. And then you look at all the other guys' soldiers and they look like that. And you say, yeah, we got this. 
you go and you say, is there another arrangement we can make? <laughs> can we have a badminton off or something like that? Play croquet to see who wins? You don't you, you, you use your mind is what Jesus is saying. In the same way, in the same way, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything that you have cannot be my disciples. He says, I'm talking about your family. Then he says, I'm talking about your stuff. Then he says, I'm talking about yourself. And then he says, let me define it more clearly. Everything. Well, Jesus, what do I have to give you? I don't know. What do you have? Well, I just need to know what it costs to have everything that you have. Remember, that's what Jesus said. All that I have is yours. So what's it cost to get it? In fact, there's a parable about it, the pearl of great price. What is the great price? Well, we don't really put a number on it. What do you mean? Well, what do you have? Well, I got a wife. She's mine now. I got three kids. They're mine now. I got a house. That's mine. Cars. That's mine. Anything else? 50 bucks in my pocket. That's mine. What do you mean that's yours? You got parents? They're mine. You got anything else? It's mine. Everything that you have is mine. Well, once I lay everything on the table, what do I get? The pearl. That's what it costs. You know what's really weird about it all? When you finally get there, when everything's on the table and you realize you have nothing, the guy on the other side of the table now says, here, take care of my stuff. Take care of my babies. Take care of my husband. Take care of my mom. Take care of my belongings. And when you get to that place, things like serving, giving your time, things like tithing, giving 10% of your finances don't mean anything to you because you know they're not yours. It's like pushing back something that belongs to the person you're pushing it to. It just becomes reality. Inconveniences for the sake of Jesus become commonplace. Well, I've got an appointment, Jesus. No, you do not. There is no appointment that you have that is more important than the appointment I have for you. The disciples were hungry. They were heading into town. They were all ready for filet of fish and Big Macs. And Jesus stops at a well. He doesn't have a thing to get water out of the well, but he stops at a well. Why? He had an appointment. And that was stupid. Do you know why? It was the middle of the afternoon. There's nobody coming to the well in the middle of the desert in the middle of the afternoon. But there was. And somebody got saved. And then after somebody got saved, that little woman became the fastest missionary on the planet. She runs back into town, runs over the disciples, McNuggets fly everywhere, and she brings half the town back. And Jesus is like, this is what you get when you listen to Jesus and not to church people. Count the cost understanding exactly what it means. And you won't be able to count the blessings on the other side. Well, what's it look like? I don't know. I don't know. Will, 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 I, will I be cured of this disease that I have going on in my body? I don't know. Will my kid grow up and follow Jesus? I don't know. 
Will I have money? I don't know, but it's not likely. <laughs> well, what do I get? Jesus. And lo, I will be with you always. At the end of the ledger, of all the things you've got to give up, there's a question, and it's three words long, that you must answer. Am I enough? Jesus asks you for everything. At the very end of that list, he poses a question. Here's the cost. Am I enough? Because if not, life will have no flavor. If, life, if not, life cannot be preserved. I had to scientifically look up several articles to figure out what was going on here. Because unsalty salt is just not salt. What is unsalty salt? Sand? Turns out, turns out, Real salt, naturally occurring in a CL, never loses its saltiness. They used to chemically enhance items to make salty flavor. When those chemically enhanced items, chemicals, become discarded for whatever reason, sun, other chemicals, water, whatever, they can't be remade. The water evaporates, takes the salty with it, and you're just left with what looks like salt, <laughs> but isn't salt. Fake believers, when they're tested, lose what they have. They may look like Christians, they may act like Christians, but they're nothing but t-shirt wearing non-believers church-going sinners. The only other way for salt to lose its saltiness is to dilute it completely. So we can put it in water and it's salty water, right? But if you put that much salt in a massive, 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 massive amount of water, it is spread so thin that once that salt evaporates, it will no longer be salty. The inundation of everything outside of the scriptures. If there's way more diluting your faith than there is enhancing your faith, you might wanna watch out because Jesus is clear about this one thing. Unsalty salt is not salt anymore and it is tossed out. The only other time we see in the scripture people being tossed out 
they're tossed into the fire. They're tossed into Gehenna, which is the garbage heap outside of Jerusalem, or the New Testament word for hell. Translated hell every single time. How salty are you? And I don't mean salty at the preacher for being so mean. Everybody take a deep breath for me. I mean it. Everybody in. Everybody out. Am I enough? Let's pray. <clears throat> well, Jesus, you're obviously a God who confronts. And the more we know and the more we're with you and the more we watch you, the more we are overwhelmed by your love, by your power, by your hope, by your peace, by all of the beautiful things that you are. And when you rebuke, those things appear too in a way we've never experienced. So you can slap and you can spank and you can ground and you can rebuke and we feel it in our bones, but we also feel the depth of your love for us. God, we want to become that kind of people. We want to become that kind of church. We want to become that kind of believer, fruit-filled believers. And I pray that for every teenager, for every deacon type individual, for every elder, for, for every staff member, for every mom and dad. I pray that they lose themselves in Jesus and find himself in them. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.